0: Welcome to Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 358, the final YMYW episode of 2021. Today, join Big Al spitball on, what else? Roth conversions. We've got a conversion and pension lump sum strategy, converting versus harvesting 0% long-term capital gains, and how to avoid double taxation on a Roth conversion. Plus, how should you allocate assets in preparation for using the rule of 55? Do retirees regret not spending more in retirement? Will paying off a thrift savings plan loan with real estate income avoid income tax? And will assets be better protected against litigation if they're transferred from a 401k to a TSP or an IRA? Get your money questions in now via email or voice message for YMYW in 2022. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopline, CPA.
1: Uh, Mike writes in from PA, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, my tax advisor turned me on to your podcast last week, and I've been binging ever since. Ooh!
0: Thanks, tax advisor.
1: Tax advisor? Yeah. Professionals are listening in, apparently. Trying to get some good <laughs> advice from Big Al. You uh, picked up a number of things. I wonder what the hell he picked up. <laughs> Maybe we'll find out. I didn't consider in my high-level planning, and I've worked on getting a layer deeper, especially around Roth conversions. Important stuff first. I enjoy a Moscow Mule. Moscow um, all
2: right. I like Moscow meals. Um. I liked my first one I ever had, and I've got three cents, which I didn't like. So oh. I would say I'm in the camp where it doesn't.
1: Got it. Or Jackie Coke occasionally. I wonder what occasionally means. <laughs> just a couple of nights. Yeah, let's strike out occasionally. <laughs> as, and Or Jack and Co. As he's just kind of like <laughs> writing out his financial plan. <laughs> right. uh, but red wine is my go-to drink. All right, very cool. cool. Yeah. Um, I drive a 2013 Jeep Wrangler or a 2018 Grand Cherokee. Uh, Mike likes his Jeep. Yeah. He's, he's very committed to the brand. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, depending... I want my wife is driving. I've listening to the podcast while exercising, working around the house and even in the shower. Oh my God. Mike, a little too much. <laughs> a
0: little TMI. Oh
1: my God. Can you imagine Mike?
0: People having their romantic dinners and uh, showering. Uh,
1: like scrubbing away, just
2: that, listening to big Al. But I, I got to say, I think that's the first. We haven't had that one before. <laughs> oh Mike, boy. you missed a spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, all righty.
1: First question. Does my Roth conversion strategy look reasonable? Uh, plan to convert all current IRAs, 500K over the next eight years. What spitball changes? What do you make? Details. Retired in 2021. Same month I turned 59. Wife is also retired and she was 56. Didn't make sense to do Roth conversion. Uh, to do Roth contributions while I was working as we were at the top tax bracket for the past 10 years. Backdoor was not an option as we both had pre-tax IRAs in place and we live in Pennsylvania. Uh, financials, no debt, planning around spending about $100,000, taking no pension at this time. Pension currently has a lump sum value of $425,000. I could take it at any time. Interest is paid at the 30-year T-bill rate, but it has a floor of 4%. At age 70, I will have to take the lump sum or the annuity option, leaning toward the lump sum, planning to treat this as a bond growing at 4% annually until age 70. Uh, deferred income, 450 k distributed evenly over four years, earning a prime rate. It's got a million and a half in a brokerage account, uh, pre-tax IRAs of a half a million, a uh, Roth IRA of 60000 401k 750, plan to leave in 401k for added ERISA protection. We'll draw from this starting in 2030. It's got an HSA of 43k. I have retired medical and can will contribute to my HSA until 65. Then we'll open up an HSA for my wife to contribute to as she can stay on my employer health plan uh, for three additional years. A plus for the Roth conversion uh for these three years or for these years um other savings 50k vacation home 400k total pre-tax 401k ira deferred income pension is two million bucks brokerage roth and other after tax saving is one and a half hsa is 43k all right you got all that big al i do all right roth conversion plan he wants to do fifty thousand dollars per year for the next four years while Receiving is deferred compensation. This will be in the 22% tax bracket, maybe 25 by then. Approximately 90K per year for five years or for years five through eight. uh, We'll manage this to the 12% tax bracket with withdrawals from our brokerage account. Can manage this without significant capital gain issues, big reduction in tax bill for conversions. Okay. So, He's got the deferred comp plan that's going to be kicking out income. So he's like, okay, for those years that the deferred comp plan is paying me because it's ordinary income, he wants to do conversions to the 22% tax bracket. It could be 25% as tax rates might roll back uh, to pre-Trump's tax cuts. Um, So the first question he has, uh, no, you sometimes forget.
0: He actually asked the question at the beginning. So he's re upping the question since you just read all that information about his financial situation.
1: Got it. Because <laughs> I, I totally forgot. Yeah. Now, does my Roth conversion strategy look reasonable? Plan to convert off 500K? Uh, what spitball changes would he make? Uh, second question Should I look at rolling over my pension lump sum to an IRA at 68? And extend my plan by two years to exclude converting a portion of my lump sum to a Roth IRA before starting Social Security at age 70. Let's have a conversation.
0: And he actually said to include converting a portion of his lump sum. Oh. Not exclude.
1: Got it. This account will likely go to our two children at some point. We already have much of our big spending out of the way. We hope. Bought an RV for travel. Kids are through college debt-free. We also have helped them get to the point where they will own their homes mortgage free time for us to hit the road. (laughs) We're like,
0: see ya. We're going in the RV. Y'all are on your own.
1: All right. So Mikey wants to spend uh, about $110,000 per year. He's got a couple million bucks. Um, We don't know what his social security benefit is. And I don't truly know what his deferred comp payment is for those five years. I don't know if it's evenly,
2: uh, but he's going to convert to the top of the 22. He's only 59. Yeah, there's, there's time. And we don't know. Does he get a pension? Does his wife get a pension? I, he's taking the lump sum. Oh, oh that's okay. Right, We didn't hear about his wife then. Um,
1: I don't believe so. It's not added in here. Yep. Um, do you convert to the 22 and the 12? I mean, both of those sound reasonable to me.
2: Yeah, same. I mean, even, even if, like, let's say you do nothing. And you have two two million dollars, which you may or may not need. For but, cash flow. He, but you know what? What what he's missing, Alan,
1: is that he's he wants to convert his five hundred thousand, but he's got two point one million in deferred accounts. Correct. So you have to look at the two point one as a whole, not necessarily hey, I have a 401 K of eight hundred thousand and I have an IRA of five hundred thousand. My wife has a 401 K of another four hundred, right? Right. So you, you just want to take a look at your, your total qualified plans, which he's stating here is 2.1. But we have to subtract out the lump sum um, pension because or not the lump sum pension, but the, um, the deferred comp
2: plan that is forced out. Right. Um, well, I guess what I was going to say that the, yeah. the two million uh, by the time of RMD age is probably four million. So, the required minimum distribution on that probably is 160K plus Social Security, right? So, that basically puts them in the 25 to even 28% bracket. So, actually, 22 might still be a good bracket. I do agree with you. You got more than 500,000 to think about. You got, you basically have 2 million plus. Right. Um, I'm trying to look um, again what his. Uh, deferred comp
1: is that he has to take. I don't know what the value is. I lost it. It says
0: deferred income 450K distributed evenly over the next four years, earning at okay. prime rate.
1: Oh, okay. There we go. Got it. Um, over five years, Andy? Four years. uh Four years. Okay. So that's $112,000 of income that he's going to receive in four years. So then he's going to convert to the top of the 22% tax bracket. Sure. He's got plenty of. Um, assets to live off of to, to supplement because he's living off 110 the deferred cop is going to pay his income over that time period right i don't know do you do conversions there because you got to take that 425 out of the equation so he doesn't really have 2.1 um he's got
2: yeah that's true right 1.6 yeah one, 1. 1.6 and in his plan if he's going to convert five hundred thousand, now he's left to 1.1 1. 1, call it right and then and that doubles that doubles and then to two point 2, 2. 2, call it two so that's 80 90 thousand rmd plus social security is another yeah. 60 so that's you know that's manageable right i mean it's not it's it's not horrible i mean so you might you might want to convert more of that but it's it's you know so here, here's the thing that people sometimes they over convert And then they end up converting in the 22 or 24% or 32% bracket. And when they get to retirement, they're in the 12% bracket. That's like, that doesn't, that didn't make any sense. right? And and so there's a big jump obviously between 12 and 22, but that's why I kind of did the math on your RMD. So let's, let's call it, uh, let's call it more like 90 grand, right. Plus social security minus the standard deduction, you know, maybe around a hundred currently that would be in the 22% bracket, but, Maybe it'll be 15 with with the way that this this works, right? In 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 terms of the brackets, they like they kind of go up each year.
1: So here's how th- real quickly, this is what I would do, Mike, you have to map this out a little bit better because you're, you're just looking at your $500,000 IRA and saying, Hey, I want to convert this to a Roth IRA over five years. Don't look at it that way. You have to look at your entire qualified dollars, take out the, the 112,000 or the 425. You have this lump sum option. You're saying, Hey, I'm going to wait for that lump sum. I'm going to continue to have the lump sum grow at you know, 4%. And then I'm going to take either the pension or the lump sum at age 70. Well, if you do that, you know, there's no conversion. I mean, you got two years to convert that. And who knows how large that, you know, if you take it out earlier, whatever your income sources are going to be. So if you did it that way, then you're like, okay, well, what is the balance going to be at age 70? How much qualified money do you have given the strategy that you think at age 72 and do the RMD calculation plus whatever other fixed income that you have? And then just look at today's tax tables to see roughly, you know, what tax bracket do you think you're going to be in? And then does it make sense to do the strategy that you're doing? Maybe it makes sense to take the lump sum now, roll it into an IRA, have a globally diversified portfolio, and then convert all the way through from 59 to age 72.
2: Yeah. Right? I, I agree. I think that that's right. You, you need to look at all these assets together holistically. Yes. You, to, it, to get the right plan. Yep. You can't look at things separately. You, you look at your
1: whole wealth um, as one big basket, and then that will give you the appropriate plan.
0: With pandemics and market volatility and whatever the future holds for inflation and social security and taxes, it's hard to know when you're ready to retire and if you've got the appropriate plan. Go to the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download our retirement readiness guide for free. You'll learn how to control your taxes in retirement, how to make the most of your investing strategy, and how to create income to last a lifetime. Learn the seven plays that'll help you get retirement ready despite all the uncertainties. To download the Retirement Readiness Guide and to access all our other free financial resources like educational videos, webinars, blog posts, and downloadable guides, and to watch Joe and Big Al answer your podcast questions on our YouTube channel, just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app.
1: Lisa from Brookfield, Wisconsin. Thanks for your podcast. I learned so much. You get more laughs... Than I do from most sitcoms. Wow! Oh, that's big praise, Lisa. Thank you. I drive in my Lexus with my yellow lab to the dog park and listen to YMYW podcast while we walk. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, My husband and I are both fifty, and I hope to take corporate um, hope to leave corporate America at fifty five and use the rule of fifty five to lower our pre tax balances. As I try to dial in my overall allocation strategy, I have some questions on how best to do this while following um asset sources okay bullet points here big al okay 1.5 million uh saving plans 401k 403b and invested hsa including one hundred five thousand dollars in a stable value fund Uh, should i put stable value in bond allocation or keep the three to five year of safe money out of the overall allocation strategy okay first question yeah stable value just Always add 100% of your assets, it's your wealth. And $105,000 is no chump change. So if you stable value, count that either, either as your cash reserve or your bond allocation, it's probably, you would look at it as your safe money or your fixed income.
2: Yeah, but uh, so we see a whole bunch of categories. It's, it's important that you look at this together, not just one account at a time. Look at what your right investment strategy is and then figure out which assets to put in which accounts. So I'll say that to start. <sighs>
1: He's uh, Lisa's got a million dollar DB pension plan. I will take the lump sum, so assume I just leave that out of the allocation until I vest it on my own.
2: Okay, good.
1: All right, um, got six hundred thousand dollars in company long term incentives, options, RSUs, PSUs. About half is vested and uh, versus unvested. Should you include any, both, or none of these in your stock allocation? Yes, absolutely. Um, Those are your dollars. If you plan on being there, um, I would include that in my stock allocation. He's got three hundred thousand. I like how point three 0. million <laughs> in cash. I had the kind of thing. Let's see. What is that? Okay, point uh, six million thousand. Yeah. So three hundred thousand dollars in cash. I wonder
2: if she's an accountant or she's a uh, CFA. I don't know. Plus CFA. there's point one million in taxable. <laughs> break she's she's, de- she's a,
1: definitely in that, finance. Is that a dollar? Yes. No, that's hundred grand. <laughs> I've uh, got. Uh, 0.3 million dollars, so $300,000 in cash savings for a vacation home once the market cools down a bit. Uh, Florida, hopefully soon, I assume, keep this out of the overall allocation since it's earmarked for future real estate. Yes, I would keep that out of the allocation. Um, $100,000 in taxable brokerage account, $3.5 million total. Thanks for the spitball, Lisa, from Waukesha County. Um, so, here's the deal. You look at all of your assets that you currently have and find out what the appropriate allocation is. You have stock options and you have incentive plans that are stock that are vested and non-vested. I would put that in the stock allocation. If you've got money that's earmarked for a future spend in a couple months or a year, I would take that out of the overall allocation because that's already spent money. So that's how I would look at it. Look at everything as a whole, come up with the overall strategy from there. And then if you have fixed dollar amounts, such as company stock, that you're not going to sell or that, that are future grants. I would, I would include that in my allocation. Yeah. Agreed. All good. Jim from Santa Cruz once a week. Just got a new question. Seems like it, right? Uh, Hello, pure financial team, Jim from Santa Cruz calling. When I'm not listening to YMYW or drinking Sierra Nevada, I'm helping friends, Jack and Diane with their retirement plan. Yeah, It's kind of catchy. Yeah. Isn't Jim in the movie business? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. Yeah, I don't think so either. Mm. Okay, uh, let's see here. Where, where did I leave off? <laughs> back, back, in September. In, back in September, Al and Joe helped Diane confirm the tax implications from the sale of her home. Diane now has a strategy dilemma for the sale proceeds. Uh, when she retires at age 65, Diane expects to have $300,000 in brokerage accounts and the cost base is one hundred fifty. dollars She will also have $900,000 in retirement accounts and $200,000 in Roth accounts. She will start taking Social Security at age 70. With RMD starting in 72, Diane has a seven-year window to maximize a 0% long-term capital gain from her brokerage account and or a Roth conversion strategy. The dilemma, uh, what should Diane do first? Harvest 0% long-term capital gains or Roth conversions? Or should she do a little of both each year? Or is this a six and one half dozen of the other situation, whether neither choice have an advantage over the other? Uh, Diane is planning to stay out of the third tax bracket in retirement and minimize the tax hit if she or Jack dies before turning 80. Her living expenses will not be affected by this decision, Thanks as always for the great show, Jim from Santa Cruz. Okay, a couple things here. I would, he's assuming that like the market's never going to go down. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. F- the first thing you got to look at the allocation is the allocation appropriate in the brokerage account? Yeah, If the allocation is not appropriate in the brokerage account, then you take
2: advantage of the 0% tax bracket
1: just to make sure that you're allocated appropriately.
2: Yeah. So the way we would think about it is like, let's say Diane has one stock. Yeah. Right. And it's 300,000 and it's a big part of of her net worth. Yeah, I would favor the the um, pulling some off the table. And if you can keep it in the 12% bracket, great, which is up to $80,000 taxable income which would also be $105,000 of regular income minus the standard deduction. You have $105,000 of income as a married couple with the standard deduction, you get to 80 or top of the 12. So if you can stay within those numbers, your capital gain is tax-free. So that's a great deal, right? And you you can mix and match. I think that's actually the first thing I would look at too is how are the investments allocated? Now, if they're in a globally diversified portfolio with with a low-cost ETF or index fund, yeah, you can probably stick with that.
1: Yeah, I would do the conversion then. Yeah, if I, I have the I right think.
2: investment strategy and philosophy
1: and I and I feel comfortable with the risk that I'm taking, sure. then I would do conversions because I don't necessarily need any of that income. And then if I need the income from that overall portfolio, at some point, I would stop doing conversions, sell the stocks at a 0% cap gains rate. So and, and the, the, the market could fluctuate too, right? So right. let's say if the market drops 20%, 30%, which it will at some point, you know, then I mean, then you, you harvest gains in a which you didn't necessarily need to if you already had a diversified portfolio where you could have put, you know, tax deferred dollars in a tax free environment at a very low tax bracket. So I would if you have the right investment strategy, I would do the conversion. If you don't have the right investment strategy, I would do long term capital gains.
2: Yeah. And and you can mix and match. Right. So one year you need some extra cash. Well, then do the capital gains that year, right? Very easy. Don't do the Roth conversion that year or do a smaller Roth conversion. Because what you don't want to do is do a Roth conversion and a capital gain harvesting to put you over the top of the 12% bracket, assuming they're in that bracket, making that assumption. Because now what happened is the capital gains that were tax free are now taxed at 15%. Oh, and by the way, the conversion is still taxed at 12%. So now you're in a 27% bracket and that's hard to, uh, com- you know, put com- your head around. comprehend. Yeah. Comprehend is what I was trying to say. Uh, but anyway, it's true. So, so just be careful of that. If you're around the 12% bracket, you don't want to do both and push yourself over into the 22 because it gets very expensive.
1: I uh, got Jim from Portland, Maine writes in. Hey fellas, my name is Jim. and I'm a new listener from the show.
0: I should mention the fact that we've got about 20 gyms that have emailed us this week. So it's going to be a little tough to keep them all straight. <laughs>
1: But Jim's from the great state of Maine. Portland, Maine. We'll remember that. Not Portland, Oregon. No, Portland, Maine. Got it. Love the show. And the sense of humor you all bring. I was looking to get your opinion on SWR in retirement. Sustainable withdrawal rate. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's got That's a way to acronym. pull that out. Wow! He's got an
2: acronym SWR. It took me a while to come. Well, like, I, what I was, is that? what is SWR? You know, he was saying same as four percent, but you got it before I did.
1: SWR. Oh, Jim, he's he's in the business. <laughs> he's hanging out with Mike's tax advisor. <laughs> there you go. Right. Uh, I can't help wondering if most people end up leaving a lot of money on the table. Uh, when basing their retirement withdrawals on the fear of running out of money, especially now with many taking about 3% as the new 4% in the current low interest rate environment. How many people off the street know about SWR? This is awesome. Zero. Jim from <laughs> Portland. He's just, wait, me, wait, what's the name we of your
2: investment wait. advisory firm, Jim?
1: He's in he's in the
2: weeds. Yeah, here. we weren't even up to speed on that <laughs> That's one, stuff. So you want to educate us? Uh, can you
1: imagine have a couple of cocktails? Hey, what's what's your SWR? <laughs> well,
2: I, I'm going with like three point seven five. Give me a bracket. I e what does that equal? <laughs> oh yeah, okay, now I know. Do, do you uh, see older
1: clients? Do you see older clients you work with having regrets about not spending more money over their retirement, especially early in their retirement? How do you look at a withdrawal strategy differently for clients not wanting to leave significant inheritance, instead wanting to spend most of their money? Looking forward to hearing you both opine on this topic. Yes. Well done. Okay, Jim, this is how we look at things. Um, we do not use the 4% rule or the 3% rule or the SWR rule. <laughs> Which is the 4%, <laughs> i.e. 4%. I. E. Um, so how we look at things, the 4% rule is a good rule of thumb to determine how much money you probably should have at retirement. Yeah. What I mean by that is if you want to spend, I don't know, If let's say the demand on the portfolio is $50,000, right? Right. Uh, or forty thousand dollars. The math is a little bit easier on forty
2: thousand. <laughs> Let's see what he comes up. Fifty thousand is like one point two five million. That's, that's right. Okay, so one point two five million <laughs> times four percent creates fifty thousand. So
1: what we look at in a four percent rule is to just to see if someone's on track, right? That's how you want to look at it, um, in my opinion, as a certified financial planner. Is that Alan wants to retire? He wants to spend fifty thousand dollars a year. He wants to retire in five years. So just kind of a back of the envelope, for all of you that are kind of sketching out your retirement, how much money should Alan have in five years roughly in liquid assets to produce the income that he wants to live out for the rest of his life? So a good rule of thumb is to look at 4% or 3% or 3.5% or whatever. So if you use 4%, that's fine. So Alan's goal would be to have $1.2 million in five years, right? But when he retires... I'm not going to advise them to take 4% up per year. It's going to vary depending on market situations. It's going to vary on what the allocation looks like. It's going to vary based on other circumstances. It's a good rule of thumb to see if people are on track. Because if Alan wants to retire with, and spend around $50,000 from the portfolio, and he only has $600,000, he's got a lot of work to do in five years. to get. He's got to double his money basically in five years for him to have, you know, a, a chance
2: at retirement. Yeah, which probably isn't going to happen. So then in that case, you change your spending, you work longer or any combination. Save more. Yeah, downsize your home, wh- whatever. Right. Yeah. So, and I'll just cl- make sure I we clarify this. So the 50,000 in the example is just from my portfolio. If I'm getting 30,000 from social security, then I'm, I want to spend 80. So this is the demand from the portfolio, 50,000. You you divide it by point four. It's actually easier to multiply by twenty five, right? So so fifty times twenty five is one point two five
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
2: So um, hopefully that answers your question. And
1: um, you know, no, I don't. know. most of our clients are we they have a goal of they want to spend X amount of dollars. Some years they're going to spend a lot more. Some years they're going to be spend a lot less. It's dynamic. It lives and breathes. So if you're just thinking about it in a bubble of, I'm only going to pull 4% out, and guess what? The market does X, and now I got all this money that I gave to my heirs. I should have spent it. Well, spend the money, Jim. Spend it. <laughs> we try to encourage our clients to spend more because you're right. I think people get really nervous when they hit retirement. They're on a fixed income, and they don't have a paycheck coming in anymore, and this portfolio is going to provide them the lifestyle that they, they, they want to at least maintain. Um, so I get it. Uh, but you have to make sure that you're planning on going. So.
0: Make a plan to deal with the things that you might regret in retirement. Schedule an assessment with an experienced financial professional on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors now. They'll take a close look not only at your current financial situation, but also your ability to tolerate risk, your specific retirement needs and goals, your tax liability, and many other factors. They'll help you develop a comprehensive financial plan to reduce your taxes and make the most of your retirement. And best of all, it's free. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and click Get an Assessment to schedule that no-cost, no-obligation financial assessment at a time and date that's convenient for you. The only thing you'll regret is that you didn't do it any sooner.
1: Uh, Jeff from Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, he writes in, he goes, hey, I have an old 401k that I rolled into a traditional IRA 10 years ago. Nine years ago, I had put $6,000 into a traditional IRA and paid tax on it in anticipation of doing a backdoor rock. Luckily, I researched and found out that this would be subject to the pro rata rule. And didn't do the backdoor Roth. My question is: Can I now do Roth conversions, and with the money that is currently in the traditional IRA and just paid the tax on uh, what was converted, the six thousand dollars that I have paid taxes on is really—is um, that oh the 600 K six hundred or the six thousand K? I
2: so th- what you is meant six
1: thousand?
2: I think
0: know. you mean six K.
2: Or $6,000. I, I
1: think you so. meant okay. $6,000. $6, okay, the $6,000 that I have paid taxes on is really large, insignificant to the entire traditional IRA of $800,000. In essence, I would be paying double taxes on the 6000 k pro rata amount. I really <laughs> like the idea of doing some Roth conversions. Thanks. Love the show. Um, good news, Jeff from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, you won't pay tax on that six thousand dollars or six hundred k, whatever sixty <laughs> six thousand k, six thousand k, whatever the whatever number that is, whatever dollar that you put in after tax will not be taxed, as long as you keep track of that basis, because the pro rata rule is just that any dollar that comes out of the retirement account or the IRA. So you have two IRAs, one is worth $800,000, one is worth $6,000. So you have $806,000 in IRA dollars. So 6000 is after tax, $800,000 is pre-tax. So if you take $6,000 into $800,000, which is 0.7%, um, that is what is going to be tax-free when you do a conversion. That's the pro rata rule. So if you do a conversion, you know, basically seventy five basis points is going to be tax free on every
2: conversion that you do from now until the IRA is drained. Right. So, so the answer is no. You, it's, it's, the pro rata rule applies. You've got eight hundred thousand in IRA, but you, you what, can still do conversions. You could, yeah, you conversions, but you are going to pay tax on the conversions.
1: You are going to pay tax on ninety 99- nine. <laughs>
2: 0.25% <laughs> of the converted I, amount. I concur. Now, Jeff, if you've got a side hustle or another job and you roll your IRA money back into a new 401k, and most 401ks will not take after tax dollars. So you left with $6,000 in your IRA, then you can convert and not pay any tax. So that's a way to go. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I think a couple of things is, can I avoid the double taxation on my Roth conversion? If you file, Jeff, you needed to file an 8606 form. um, And what that does is that says, hey, I I made a $6,000 IRA contribution that had basis in it. And then that shows on the back of your tax return. So... When you have the other form of what fifty four ninety eights that come out um, of showing what your your IRA balances are and things like that, sure. it will show that you have that six thousand dollars of basis. So any distribution that you pull, you do the pro rata rule, and like I said, ninety nine point two five percent of every distribution or conversion that you do is going to be taxable. Seventy five bips is tax free.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. Um,
1: we got Sam from Orange County, California, writes in. I'm a 64-year-old postal employee. I have a TSP loan of around 40 I am planning to retire in a few months. And if the loan is not paid off, it will be a, uh, regarded as a distribution. Um, I also work as a realtor and have income from that. So if I pay off my TSP loan with the income from real estate business, Would that help me avoid paying tax on the real estate income since it's going into the TSP? Um, Two things. Okay. First of all, thanks for the question. TSP, for those of you keeping scores, a thrift savings plan. Um, So postal employee. Yeah. It's probably in shape from walking. I'm sure. Sam's going to live a long life. Yeah. Or my aunt, she worked for the postal service. Yeah. Yeah. 50 some years. I didn't know that. Yeah, she did. Um, so, okay. You take a loan out of the TSP a thrift savings plan. And if you make a contribution to the TSP, you're not, paying out the loan. You're just making a contribution pre-tax, right? But you still have to be employed by the postal service to put money into the TSP as a contribution to get the tax deduction. Sure.
2: But I think what he's saying, <laughs> if, if he's he, paying
1: off the loan, right, there is no tax deduction. You're right. paying
2: off the loan with after-tax dollars. Yeah, exactly. So I would say, Sam, it depends upon your bracket. If you're retiring in a few months and assuming, well, we just got this question. So that probably means in 2022, maybe you're going to have a lower salary in 2022. And if you need the funds for other purposes in your non-qualified account, then, yeah, maybe just pay the income on it so you don't use up those funds. I I don't know what what other purposes you have for the funds, but that would be a way to think about it, which is you'll be in lower tax bracket probably anyway. So maybe it's maybe it's okay. So uh, here's here's the math, right?
1: If he's got let's say he's retiring, if he retires and takes the TSP out of the plan and rolls it into an IRA. That $40,000 loan will become a taxable event to Sam. Sure. So $40,000 of income will show up on the tax return. He will pay ordinary income tax on the 40 grand. Yeah. Another option he has is let's say he has $40,000 that is in his checking account or a brokerage account. That he doesn't need. Right. And so he takes that $40,000 and he puts it into the TSP to pay off the loan. So he has after-tax dollars of 40000 that he paid tax on, all of that 40000 goes into the TSP, and then he takes the TSP out and he rolls it into an IRA. There will be no income on his tax return that year because he paid out the loan, there would be no distribution. Sure. But then 100% of the income that comes out of the TSP is going to be taxed at ordinary income rates, right? So then that's where the tax rates are so important. Because he's taking after-tax funds to pay off a loan in a pre-tax environment that the money comes out that he just paid off the loan is going to be taxed again at ordinary income rates.
2: It's, that's so hard. it's almost
1: like a double tax.
2: It's hard to comprehend as well, but that's, that's exactly how that works. And, and so I would say, Sam, if you've got $50,000 outside of retirement, don't do it because you, you need some capital to, when you retire. But if you've got a whole bunch of money that you, got, you don't know what to do with, right? then go ahead and do it. Yeah. But, but the thing is when you pay off the loan, you're still going to pay tax on that eventually when it eventually. comes out. Yes. Yeah. So, um,
1: all right. Well, good question, Sam. Hey, good luck on uh, the real estate gig. Yeah. Uh, Orange County it's probably killing it. Yeah. You do one deal. You should <laughs> just done. do one deal. <laughs> Sam's going to be a giant tax bracket. <laughs> Let's go with, Hey, Joe, big out um, uh, in the glue, holding it all together, Andy.
0: Oh, uh, thank you, Greg.
1: All right. I'm a long time. listener. enjoy your humor occasional wisdom on your podcast <laughs> occasional walking, wisdom. it's very it's less than occasional <laughs> um on your podcast while walking my two dogs that won't let me sit down when i arrive home from work uh this is now my go-to relaxation activity instead of having a cold fat tire amber ale Would have thought wow all right i have a question involving a 401k transfer that you may have come across with other California clients, although it does involve some legal issues. I figured that it's a nice switch from the Roth conversion questions that um, you get from uh, whatever. I am in a highly litigious profession and recently moved to California and have a 401k that my old company is forcing me to transfer from their plan. My option is to roll it to the TSB account at my new job or move it to a traditional IRA. Its value is about 1.8 million. So not insignificant in terms of total retirement savings. I know that 401ks and TSPs are protected from seizure from lawsuits, uh, but California law does not protect IRAs. I'm planning on retiring in two years, age 60, and then starting Roth conversions. My liability liability risk will be much less uh, by then as statute of limitations will be exceeded for most of the risk of my old job. So here's the question. Would you throw some ideas, idea for fun whether to transfer the 401k to the TSP at this time for better asset protection, or is the legal risk of going to an IRA now not really that significant? I would have to assess uh, to more investment choices to the IRA than the TSP. TSP, folks, uh, um, is the Thrift Savings Plan. Um, also, the TSP is bigger Pain in the ass to, or bigger pain to move assets. <laughs> My bad. That's that, 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 was a, that was a Freudian slip. It's still there,
0: appropriate. But, it's still fit. Um,
1: out of it um, for Roth conversions. Uh, what a middle ground use to uh, use the TSP for two years and then move everything into an IRA at that time for easier management. I know you're not lawyers, but I figured you deal with the risk of situations with your clients. Thanks for all your spitballing. Keep up the good work, Greg. Greg. Um, So, a couple of things. He's, I don't know what. Well, there's risk, right? I mean, he could get sued, and then those assets could be subject to.
2: And we're not attorneys, but I thought when you moved. Uh, money from your your 401k 401k qualified retirement account into an IRA that counted for a similar protection it does and you still got another 1.2 1.3 million for just regular IRA money so if
1: it comes from a 401k versus straight IRA savings that protection covers it but he's for certain like if he files BK right right but if he gets sued it could be held liable. Um, but I don't know what he would get sued for, and what well, we statute limitations. We don't know and... what his
2: job is, but yeah, there's always more risk in an IRA than a 401k. Correct. But yeah, you're right. I think that I think that is right. So bankruptcy only.
1: So you, you get the same protections there if it's in an, a 401k because it, it transfers. But with the IRA, yes, you could be subject if someone's suing you for you know um, malicious activity. But it's got to be pretty bad. Seems like it, right? And you got to be guilty.
2: Well, (laughs) not necessarily. We know how courts can work. Uh, I suppose. You settle and you know it doesn't always work out how it should.
1: I don't know.
2: Never had experience with that. You probably you have. It sounds like you have. You know? <laughs> All right. We got to we
1: gotta get the heck out of here. Uh, appreciate y'all uh, again listening to us this week. Um, we'll see you again next week. Uh, show's called Your Money, or Wealth.
0: And that's it for 2021. Happy New Year, YMYW family. Thank you for your questions, comments, and laughs throughout the year. And thanks as well for telling other people about the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing, and we will do the same. We'll kick off 2022 next week with a compilation episode answering your Best spouse, ex spouse, and social security survivor benefits questions. But we've got sitcoms and Ginger or Marianne at the end of this episode in the final derails of 2021. So stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at YourMoneyYourWealth.com or call 888 994 6257 to schedule your free financial assessment at a time and date convenient for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are. one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.
1: Thanks for your podcast. I learned so much. You get more laughs than I do from most sitcoms.
2: Wow, oh that's a big praise, Lisa. Thank you. Wow, it's like a little burning Shirley.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you?
2: I don't know. I'll be squeaky. <laughs> I, think, I think we're Sanford and Son. Yeah, that's good. Oh view. no. <laughs> uh, you have a favorite sitcom? Yeah, uh, probably, probably *Slimepult Show* was probably my all-time. You didn't like anything back? Before I was born, well, you, like Laverne and Cheerley. and you, you said favorite. So I also like Friends and I like Cheers. And uh, before that, when I was a wee lad, young young lad, Gilgan's Island. I loved it. I loved the skipper and Gilgan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't like- say it was my favorite of all times <laughs> i would seen a couple episodes recently I it. Yeah. what was i thinking <laughs> but it was tropical bob, and... bob denver yeah right was it yeah. was i wonder if he was joe Kielgen, it. yeah yeah john denver yeah probably yeah. not um yeah what's your uh, favorite uh, sitcom joe
1: um ginger or marianne
2: uh marianne oh uh, the sure. skipper <laughs> yeah Skipper Gilligan. Uh, I think
1: Gilligan. Uh, you're Marianne. Marianne versus uh, Ginger, huh? How about you? Um, Yeah, but, you know, depends on the day.
2: Well, you're Midwest. you got to be Marianne.
1: Uh, um, my favorite sitcom? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not a big sitcom kind of guy. You're no, way more know. into the blood and guts. Do yeah. You have, do you have any? No, I haven't watched a sitcom in years. I know, but way back when? I guess, you know, the, the standards. Right, like friends. I We gotta like those shows. Um, so uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I liked. Um, what's that? One I, I did enjoy was the the Ryan Reynolds one. Two, two guys in a pizza shop. Two guys, a girl in the pizza shop. Something like that. I
2: remember that one. Yeah, that was pretty good. I had. I have years of no memory because of young children. <laughs> oh, I thought... <laughs> <And> Drugs. <laughs> or just... I, thought, I, thought, I thought you were going to say something else. Yeah, I know you did.